Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Grizz Weekly Grind, a proud affiliate of the Basketball Podcast Network. I'm Pete Pranick of the TV voice of the Memphis Grizzlies and host of the podcast. Glad you're with us for episode number five. A lot of stuff going on. Grizzlies, courtesy of a Saturday night win over Philadelphia, now at 500 on this young NBA season. John Morant is back. Grizzlies getting ready to play the Martin Luther King Jr. celebration game against the Phoenix Suns on Monday afternoon. Full program for you. Here's what we got. Uh, We've got, of course, that was the week that was, which was an intriguing week on a number of levels for the Grizzlies. Got Petey's points, my takes on what's going on with the boys in Beale Street Blue. Uh, Another visit from Doc Holliday. So another edition of Doc's Diagnosis as he talks about what it's like to make the leap from college sports to professional sports because Doc played for the Los Angeles Rams after playing for the University of Memphis Tigers. And since the Grizzlies are playing the Phoenix Suns on MLK Day, we're going to visit with our latest friend of the program and a personal friend of mine, Tim Kempton, who is currently the radio analyst for the Phoenix Suns. Tim and I went to Notre Dame together, and we were classmates. He played. I did the play-by-play. That's how that all worked out. So we have all that coming your way as we tell you that the Grizz Weekly Grind is being brought to you today by the Hoop City Basketball Club. Since 2005, their mission has been to assist young student-athletes in grades 1 through 12 in developing a strong work ethic with discipline, responsibility, and accountability. The club has helped young men be great, not just as basketball players, but it's also helped them to become better people. And alumni of Hoop City include major college players and some NBA players as well. If you'd like to get your young person involved in it, I highly suggest it. Go to hoopcitybc.com and uh, look for the opportunity to get your young person involved with Hoop City BC. Before we formally get into that was the week that was, um, on a personal note, I, I want to tell you a little bit more about Michael Edwards, a.k.a. Speedy. Those of you who have watched the telecasts, follow me on social media, follow Brevin Knight or Rob Fisher on social media. I think that you are all aware that we lost a member of our Grizzlies broadcasting family with Speedy last week due to complications from COVID-19. For those of you who don't know about live event production, uh, Speedy ran a machine called the Elvis The actual acronym is EVS, but it's widely known as the Elvis. And Elvis is essentially a hard disk recorder with multiple channels on which you can record, edit, and play back. It is now the industry standard in how you do instant replays. And there are few finer operators anywhere than Speedy. Speedy did the Grizzlies as his primary gig, also did the Atlanta Braves, Uh, Worked all over the South, based out of Alabama, and it was a real body blow to all of us, because what you must understand is that live sports production is really a team effort. You see me, you hear me, you see and hear Brevin and Fish, but the people that you don't see are the ones who really make it go. We travel with a producer, a director, we travel with Speedy as our Elvis operator, Brian Wright as our graphics operator, and... These shows don't come off unless everybody pulls together and all the oars are going in the same direction at the same time. In addition, the Grizzlies broadcast group is more of a family. Speedy and B-Dub have been with us for over a decade. Um, For the six months or whatever it is that we follow the NBA trail, we travel together. 
We sit in the back of the plane. We trade stories. Um, we go to dinner together. We have post-game dinners together to talk about what went right or went, went wrong with the telecast or with the game. Everybody knows, loves, and cares about one another. And Speedy wasn't just a colleague. He was our brother. And the loss is deeply felt. The sorrow is real. And on a personal note, I want to thank all of the people from around the country who have sent messages, texts, uh, notices on Twitter, Facebook, who have chipped in to the GoFundMe for Speedy's family. Um, thank you. Your support means a lot to all of us. Um, last Thursday was a, a really hard day, and um, it turned out we ended up not playing a game when we, frankly, I think would have almost rather been working to try to take our minds off of the events of Thursday when Speedy passed away. So again, from the bottom of my heart to all of those, all of you who have uh, expressed condolences, uh, very deep appreciation on behalf of all of us with Grizzlies Broadcasting. All right, that was the week that was. And it was a good and somewhat strange week for the Grizzlies as the Grizzlies go into Minnesota and they put up a franchise record 80 paint points against a Minnesota team that uh, is only marginally interested in playing defense. It is one of the big issues for Ryan Saunders and the Timberwolves right now, their lack of ability on the defensive end of the floor, um, even with Carl Anthony Towns there. And uh, the Thursday game, as you all know, was postponed because Carl Anthony Towns uh, tested positive for the coronavirus, which has been wrought great devastation on his family. Juancho Hernan Gomez had gone into isolation. Um, thankfully, the Grizzlies were able to get out of Minnesota. There are um, no indications, and there weren't any indications going into Saturday's game that anything was amiss for health and safety protocols as far as the Grizzlies were concerned. So they come back, and they take on a Philadelphia team that was starting a two-game road trip, and they left Joel Embiid at home with a sore knee. Uh, Grizzlies after really a, a very, very sloppy first quarter, poor shooting first quarter to be precise, uh, just hung around because they kept forcing turnovers from Philadelphia. Grizzlies built at one point a 14-point lead. They led it by 12 entering the fourth quarter, and then Shake Milton went off in the fourth quarter, finished with 28 points. Grizzlies hung on by the skin of their teeth uh, as Tyrese Maxey, the rookie, had a look at a shot that would have won the game for Philadelphia, but the Grizzlies win it 106-104 to over the Philadelphia 76ers. So Grizzlies go 2-0 since our last visit here on the Grizz Weekly Grind, uh, and they do it by piling up a lot of assists, 27 assists against Philadelphia, only 11 turnovers. Grizzlies only seven turnovers in the game at Minnesota. So in the last eight quarters, Grizzlies a grand total of 18 turnovers, and they forced 23 from Philadelphia on Saturday night. So uh, gives you an idea of how the Grizzlies are rolling right now. Uh, they're doing it collectively. Grizzlies had seven and double figures against Philadelphia. Nobody had more than 17, and that guy was Ja Morant. As we segue, speaking of Ja, from that was the week that was to Petey's points. Well, Petey's points... Number one, it's great to have Ja back. 
Uh, he claimed that the bounce isn't fully back, but certainly it's great to have him in the lineup. Turnovers were a little higher than I think he would have wanted, but he's going to work his way back into the game. Um, great that he was able to heal as quickly as he did. He's wearing high tops now to, uh, to protect that ankle. But he just brings a spirit to this basketball club that wasn't absent during his absence from the court because he wanted to be close to the bench, close to the coaching staff, looking at box scores, offering suggestions, uh, and offering pointers to the guys who were able to play. But it's great to have him back and be an active participant instead of just sitting on the bench in a sweatsuit. Petey's point number two, again, one of the things that's a little concerning about the Grizzlies is that they continue to let leads slip away, and sometimes they have a hard time tracking down the hot man. Uh, Shake Milton got free from them in the fourth quarter uh, Saturday night against Philadelphia, nearly cost them the game. Again, Grizzlies double-digit lead, and Philadelphia ends up pulling within two and a chance to end up winning the basketball game. So that's something that, again, the Grizzlies are going to have to clean up. You get a lead. Can you build on the lead? Certainly don't let it get away when you have a 14-point lead, uh, 12 entering the fourth quarter, and it gets down to be a two-point game. Final Petey's point for today. Uh, Monday is one of the most special days on the Memphis calendar with the MLK celebration game. Grizzlies will take on the Phoenix Suns. Uh, I would urge those of you uh, who are able to get this podcast in time uh, 2.30 on Fox Sports Southeast. It will be the Earl Lloyd Sports Legacy Symposium. And we're going to have a great, we did have a great conversation. It's already been recorded. Normally we'd have it in person on Monday. But Neka Ogwumike, Ray Allen, and Kenny the Jet Smith will talk about race and sports and current events and the legacy of Dr. King. So definitely check that out. That'll be on Fox Sports Southeast 2.30 on Monday afternoon. It is always an honor to be part of a great day here in Memphis. Um, kudos to Andy Dolich for thinking of it many years ago. If you heard uh, our conversation with Andy Dolich in our 901 Knowledge and the last couple episodes of the podcast, you know what I'm talking about. It was a way to get the Grizzlies some recognition, get them some national TV time, but also a way to honor Dr. King and everything that he has meant uh, in the city of Memphis. And uh, also, if you are not local to Memphis, I strongly urge you to go to the National Civil Rights Museum. It is one of the gems of Memphis and an extremely well-done museum, very moving. Make yourself available for a lot of time because there's a lot of great stuff there. When it comes to talking about MLK Day, I immediately thought of Doc Holliday, my good friend, former Memphis Tiger football player who played in the NFL, wanted to get his thoughts on where the Grizzlies are going, along with his thoughts about MLK. And that's the subject of today's Doc's Diagnosis. And it's another edition of Doc's Diagnosis. Pete Pranica along with Marcus Doc Holliday, former Memphis football player and Los Angeles Ram as well. Uh, Doc, the Grizzlies seem to have found their footing a little bit, even without John Morant. What have, what have you seen over the last handful of games that has impressed you? I've seen uh, cooperation and unselfish play, selflessness and energy and toughness like you expect the Grizzlies to play. I think they're sharing the ball a lot more, which is what you need to do when you don't have your best player. And I think they're counting on one another more and coming together as a squad. Uh, not, a lot of times when, you know, you know, Pete, when someone loses their best player, they sometimes that level of play goes down. But I think now the Grizzlies are what four and four without Ja. 
not meaning they don't need job, but they need them. But I think they understand we don't have our horse in there. So all of us got to come together and play better as a collective unit, share this basketball, no selfish play. And of course you got the grown man in the middle. Jonas Valanciunas doing his thing, playing grown man basketball. So just, I've seen that grit and grind. I've seen that heart. I've seen that energy that you expect from our Grizzlies, man. Yeah, they really have figured out how to make it work, even without John Moran for the last handful of games. Um, You talked about guys figuring it out. Now, you have played football at a high level uh, for Memphis and then for the Los Angeles Rams. What is it in a locker room that happens when guys get together and realize, hey, my quarterback's not playing and my star running back's not playing or, or whoever is playing, whether it's basketball, football, hockey, whatever. What goes on in the locker room when the big guy goes down and everybody has to rally together? What are those conversations like? Well, those conversations, it's more like a mental thing. Uh, when you have a great player, man, you have a tendency sometimes to – you play hard, but mentally you're not always focused because you're like, okay, this guy has our back. Now, once that guy is out, you're looking at it for a couple of different ways. You're like, okay, we have to do more. I have to do more. And you also like, well, now I got an opportunity to really show what I can do because this guy's not going to be in there. He's not going to be able to do what he normally does because we don't have him. So uh, I've seen guys, they just kind of raise their level to play and, and raise their level of preparation because, you know, playing sports, especially playing professional sports, a lot has to do with the preparation mental preparation way more than the physical preparation and with the game. And it's just about, you know, it's about the attitude. I see, you know, guys come in uh, when your horse goes down like jaw, you know, you have guys be like, you know, I have an opportunity to really show what I can do and show the coaching staff and show my teammates that they can count on me and show the rest of the association or the world of the league that I can really ball out. So uh, that's what I see, man. I see, you know, sometimes it goes the other way. You know, some guys be like, dang, man, we don't have our dude. We're going to get crushed. But other times it goes the other way. You know, like, hey, well, this is my opportunity to do some things. We got to come together and play together, man. And we're visiting with Doc Holiday, another edition of Doc's Diagnosis here on the Grizz Weekly Grind. Doc, I'm going to take you back inside the locker room again because uh, you've had the experience of playing college ball and then going to the next level. Desmond Bain and Xavier Tillman have started to seem to figure things out. What's the biggest transition for a stud college athlete going to the next level and then trying to fit in and be productive at that next level? You know what? Uh, just relaxing and understanding and giving yourself credit. You have to sit back and look and be like, I'm here for a reason. Now, I tell people, once you go from middle school to high school, you know, the competition is better. But you're better. You go from high school to college. The competition is better. But you're better. You go from college to the NFL or the NBA. The competition is better. But guess what? You're better. And I think a lot of times rookies and young people, when they make their transition, they almost like they don't question if they belong, but they're like, OK, I'm kind of leery. Let me see how this goes. I know I've been hooping my entire life, but let me see how I do against some of these other hoopers. So a lot of times they be apprehensive, apprehensive and a little anxious. But once you go in there and you get some, you know, get some experience, you be like, man, this dude is. I've been cooking dudes like this since I was young. You know what I'm saying? But you got to cook a couple of cats first, Pete. After you cook a couple of them and put them in the stew, you're like, okay, I can cook with these dudes. So that's what it is, man. Just understanding and realizing and having confidence in yourself and looking at yourself and being like, you know, it's a reason why I'm in the NBA because I can ball out. These dudes can ball out, but I can ball out as well. Yeah, well said, well said. Um, Final thing for you, Doc. You have been a big member of the Memphis community. 
a man of color and the Grizzlies on Monday will play their MLK day celebration game against the Phoenix suns. What does the celebration, what does the day, what does MLK day mean to you as a man of color and, and just being so integral to the community here in Memphis? I mean, it's huge. I mean, I, I still salute and applaud the Grizzlies when I was a sports director over at that other station in one of those stations in Memphis, you know, I would always, you know, I ain't gonna say that name, people get them, man. But anyway, you know, I would always, you know, look at the Grizzlies and salute them for doing this because they're in Memphis, but they don't have to do that. You know, they don't have to honor MLK and in, honor MLK Day and all the events uh, that goes on with it. So I salute the Grizzlies with doing that. But just being in Memphis, and even if I was in Memphis, and you're looking at what uh, Martin Luther King, you know, what he sacrificed and what we had to go through, and you look at, you know, the state that we're in now, you can say you can say it's better, but, you know, it's still tough for men that look like me, for women that look like me, for people that look like me. So uh, Martin Luther King, you know, you appreciate him and, you know, not only him, but, you know, you had a lot of civil rights activists. Uh, you know, he's being one of the biggest ones. But, you know, my dad, you know, being a sharecropper from Como, Mississippi, he and his uh, he and his brothers and sisters to see them come to Memphis and go to Chicago and New York and have opportunities to work and, you know, raise a family uh, and, and just the the struggles, man. I mean, Pete, it's, it's hard. I mean, it's hard being a black man living in this world now. You know, I can't imagine then where you got it all the time you can't go eat somewhere you can't go to this store you can't look at this person so just to uh, honor Martin Luther King and the things that he did and my ancestors and forefathers uh, uh that they did I'm just so appreciative and you look back and I tell people man it's not that long ago it's just a generation ago that's my dad's them generation so this stuff really just happened people like to think that it happened so long ago so uh just honoring Martin Luther King and everything that he did and they did man I'm just really 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 appreciative to the most high God and to you know people like MLK Cool, cool. Doc, thank you so much, man. I stand shoulder to shoulder with you as we celebrate MLK Day. You have a great, great week. You too, Pete. Always a pleasure to talk with Doc. Uh, that was recorded, of course, before my Packers beat his Rams, so uh, I didn't have any opportunity to talk a little smack to him. So Doc's diagnosis uh, for this MLK weekend. Appreciate that. Of course, Grizzlies will be taking on the Phoenix Suns. First meeting between these two teams. So uh, let's get up to date on the Phoenix Suns with a friend of the program, Tim Kempton. Today's friend of the program is not merely a friend of the program. He's a friend of mine from my days at Notre Dame, Notre Dame classmate, uh, former NBA player as well. Tim Kempton, currently the radio analyst for the Phoenix Suns radio network. And uh, Tim, the bubble experience for the Suns was exceptionally positive. What was uh, what was their secret sauce down there in Orlando? Well, I, I think they figured a couple of things out. Uh, that they, you know, with Kelly Oubre not playing, Pete, it kind of forced Monty Williams to juggle his lineup, and it worked. Uh, the biggest the biggest thing to me, my takeaway was Dario Saric going to the bench and really taking uh, taking hold of that six man role for the Phoenix Suns. Cam Johnson played well in the starting lineup uh, along with Mikel Bridges, but I thought that second unit was really what separated them. And and not only Dario accepting his role as a six man, but uh, Cameron Payne and Javon Carter were absolutely phenomenal. Uh, You know, just not only playing offense, but, but making it difficult for the other team, just putting them in, uh, you know, difficult situations, making it uncomfortable for them. So I thought it was the bench 
the, that was the big difference down in the bubble for the Suns. You mentioned Monty Williams, and we're not going to say nice things about him simply because he went to Notre Dame too, but um, everywhere Monty has gone, there's also always been a high level of respect for him as a coach and as a person. Now that you've had the opportunity to, to be with him on a regular basis in Phoenix, uh, what's the experience been like and what has Monty meant to the organization? Well, as you said, Pete, he, he, he's just a great person. And I think that comes through right away. He's, uh, he's very honest and open with his players. Uh, having played the game, he has that perspective uh, as well. He just really relates well to, to, the, team, to the team as individuals and as a group. So that, that brings a trust factor uh, right away. And I think that any relationship starts with trust. And Monty, Monty builds that trust within the within the individuals that he works with and then as the group uh, as they come together so it's been a, a positive experience through and through for the Phoenix Suns giving them leadership uh, giving them someone uh, that, that is taking responsibility at the helm of the Phoenix Suns along with with uh, with um, oh uh, James James Jones our GM sorry about that I went uh, went brain dead for a second Pete. <laughs> It, it's been known to happen to all of us. I'm visiting with Tim <laughs> Kempton, radio analyst for the Phoenix Suns. Um, you talked about leadership, and James Jones has put together a good roster, and you've got a really good head coach in Monty Williams. One of the things that maybe, and I say this as an outsider looking at the Phoenix Suns, that was missing was maybe some on-court leadership. As great as Devin Booker is as a scorer, he's now got somebody in terms of a veteran role model uh, with Chris Paul to help him take the next step in his career. What has that dynamic been like with Chris Paul and Devin Booker? Yeah, well, it's been phenomenal, I think, because as you said, you know, Devin, to, to all the credit, everything that he's done, done up to this point in, in his career, it's kind of been forced on him, Pete, just, just by the makeup of the Phoenix Suns roster, uh, what they expected of him. So now he gets to take a, you know, kind of a deep breath, and be able to share uh, some of that leadership with, with someone like Chris Paul. He doesn't have to hand it off completely, but now you got a guy that's been in the NBA playoffs and has made deep runs, uh, a guy that's been all NBA, you know, uh, you know, as, as a player and, and defensively. So, so you have someone to look up to and, and also someone to teach you how to go because, you know, Pete, you've been, you've, you've been around, uh, this league long enough. Chris Paul is a tar talker. He's going to talk to everybody. He, he really knows the game. His, his intelligence for, for the game is really high. So having him there and Devin able to be to watch it, but also interact with it, I, I think will do wonders for, for Devin's career as it moves along. What about DeAndre Ayton? I mean, he, he's had moments over the young portion of his career where he's been exceptional and moments where he has looked a little inexperienced where has he landed this year in terms of his performance yeah right right from the get-go it, it's been frustrating for everybody because he came out he's averaged a double double his entire career it's it's he's lost a couple of touches this year uh and that's due to the fact that the Suns, you know are shooting up quite a quite a few threes and Sometimes they're good and sometimes they're bad. So that's taking touches away from them. Cam Johnson and Mikael Bridges most notably. And, and the good thing about Chris Paul bringing leadership and everything 
is, is phenomenal. But Chris Paul likes that mid-range area as well. He likes to get into the, the paint and, and finish with those short jump shots. So that's kind of taking a little bit of space away from, uh, from DeAndre Ayton as well. So it's definitely a work in progress. Everybody's still trying to figure out how to play together, and it's going to take reps. It's going to take uh, time going forward and more games. But extremely talented, love his work ethic, and, and I think he'll get better. It's just a frustrating time for him, for Suns fans, and, uh, and, and the way he's playing right now. Are you trying to work things out and establish an identity? And I know that it is a work in progress. What is the identity that Monty wants to have with that group? Because you've got an elite level score in Booker, a monstrous low post presence in Aiton, and then you've got the KG veteran in Chris Paul. How does Monty want all those things to come together to, to set up the identity of what the Phoenix Suns want to be? Well, believe it or not, Pete, there's been quite a shift and it's been on the defensive end. Uh, and I know you follow the league and, and the, the stats and the numbers for uh, as, as your work, but uh, the Phoenix Suns are all of a sudden the top five team defensively in the NBA. So that's taken away a little bit of the pace that they want to play with. Monty, you know, wants to get better defensively, and they've done that with Chris Paul, Jay Crowder, uh, Mikel Bridges, and every everybody else buying in to playing defense. Now they have to get the offense going on the other end. Monty still uh, talks about that point five, and that point five is making a decision, moving the ball with a pass, taking a shot, or or, or going off the dribble. So I think the offense, he, it, it's been stated now, we want to be a good defensive team. That point five is still in play. But again, that's the situation where you have to put, put it all together, and it hasn't come together as of yet. Well, that's it. when you think of defense in the Phoenix Suns. I mean, historically, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're laughing. I'm laughing. Everybody is probably laughing as they're listening to this podcast. Um, but but yet that's, you know, wherever Monty has been, I, I mean, he's a guy who has preached you've got to have a good defense. And that probably goes back in at least some part to his days with the San Antonio Spurs and 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 what they seem to emphasize. So um you like where this team is right now? And is there more upside to be, uh, to be had? Oh, without a doubt. Uh, obviously the, the defense get, getting better is, uh, is definitely super, super positive. You've got a young core mixed with some, with some veterans. So I think the makeup of the team is much better now, not as young and, and, and as inexperienced, but uh, phenomenal talent there. You still got Mikel Bridges, Cam Johnson on their rookie contracts. Obviously, DeAndre Aiden in the middle has, has some uh, growth to go. I don't think he's he's done that. And then you you have Devin Booker, Jay Crowder. You know, kind of has been phenomenal too. And his leadership and people have to remember he left a team that went to the NBA Finals last year in, in the Miami Heat. So he had to he had to like something on this roster as well, uh, along with Chris Paul. So like the makeup of the team, like the talent, uh, and now it's just putting it together night in and night out. Well, I'm glad you brought up Jay Crowder. Uh, we had Jay Crowder here for part of the season last year, and tremendous veteran presence, and and that's something that's probably Tim. I, why don't you speak to this? You've been in the league, but it seems to me that you always have to have role players, and it helps if you have the OG, the old guy who can still perform on the court and still be a leader in the locker room. Yeah, you, you know as well as I do, it's much easier to lead 
when, when you're when you're playing, when you're on the floor in the heat of battle. You know, I, I look at the Miami Heat just because that's where Jay Crowder came from, and and they've got a they've got an OG down there that that has been phenomenal for that franchise and Adonis Haslam. But it, yeah, there, there's much more of an impact of a Jay Crowder being that he's on the court and in the battle and, and can speak of, hey, we just did this the last sequence, it didn't work. We need to do this a little bit better. So it, it is nice having him on the floor, someone, a, a tough guy, you know, someone that plays a little bit more physical. And, and, and that's something that, that he shows the Phoenix Suns how to do as well. Tim, thanks so much for the time. Please give my very best regards to the Hall of Famer and your partner, Al McCoy. Will do, Pete. Great, great hanging with you, Bob. So the Grizzlies will take on the Phoenix Suns. Four o'clock tip Monday afternoon in the annual Martin Luther King Jr. Celebration game. Then the Grizzlies will go west for a couple of games against the Portland Trailblazers before returning home. The Grizz Weekly Grind has been brought to you by the Hoop City Basketball Club. Since 2005, they've been assisting student-athletes in grades 1 through 12, not only in learning the game of basketball, but also learning a little bit about the game of life with discipline, responsibility, and accountability. Hoop City Basketball Club helps young men be great, not only as basketball players, but as citizens. Alumni of Hoop City include major college and NBA players. Now, if you'd like some more information, all you have to do is log on to HoopCityBC.com. Want to thank our guests today, Marcus Doc Holiday, and also our friend of the program, Tim Kempton, to talk about the Phoenix Suns. That's a wrap for today's edition of the Grizz Weekly Grind. Thank you so much for listening. This has been the Grizz Weekly Grind, a proud affiliate of the Basketball Podcast Network.